1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. On this Sunday morning, it's always a pleasure to be alongside Ray Lance, our financial advisor from USA Wealth Group that sponsors this great hour. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise, another special edition of How to Protect Your Family and How to Protect Your Money, brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. Thank you very much for listening. And Phil, it's always a pleasure to see your shining face. (laughs) Phil likes to smile and he likes to laugh, ladies and gentlemen, in case you haven't noticed. And we have a special guest on this morning who is always a pleasure to have with us. You bet. Attorney Michael Coleman from Lance Law, Inc. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. And Mike is becoming a real pro on the radio show, so it's a lot of fun to have him here. Mike, you do mostly work in the area of estate planning and protecting people's assets. Right. We do estate planning. We do some probate work, some real estate uh, work. So we're going to be talking today about protecting the home, I guess. So I have a lot of things to say about that. How to protect your home. And it doesn't matter whether you're living in a rented apartment or whether you're living in a house that you own or a condominium that you own. Protecting your home is very important. Home is the place where most people feel most comfortable, and you want to feel safe, and you want to feel secure. Well, this not only means physical security, like you don't want to have somebody break into your house, uh, as an example, but you want to protect your house because if you own a home or a condominium, that's your largest, most important, most significant asset for most people, isn't Many it? times, yes, it is. So, Mike, we're going to be talking about some very specific strategies today. We haven't done this kind of a show for a while. We're going to be talking about some legal things that you have familiarity with and you use every single day to help people protect your house. So let me ask you, ladies and gentlemen, is it important for you to protect your home? Well, the answer is, of course it is. So we're going to be talking this morning about a lot of things. We hope you can stay tuned for a while. We're going to talk about physical protection. We're going to be talking about some unfortunate burglary statistics in the greater New Bedford area. We're going to be talking about homesteads and types of tenancies, how you should hold your house, uh, what maybe some ideas about mortgages, uh, some ideas about buying and selling a house. You know, it really starts, doesn't it, Mike, when you're buying or selling a house? Right. Of course, you want the right legal representative to help you with the transaction, to review the paperwork, prepare a deed. So it's very important to have the right people involved. And I know virtually every week you've got situations in which you're representing somebody who's either buying or selling a house. So it's not just about things like how you hold title, but gosh, if you're selling a house or buying a house, you want to make sure you're getting the right kind of protection for that. And then we're also going to be talking, especially you, Mike, about estate planning. Uh, Should you give your house to your children? Is that a good way to protect your house or not? What about long-term care insurance if you have to go to a nursing home? So if you have long-term care insurance, that's a way to protect your house. It becomes a totally exempt asset if you have that kind of insurance. And what about life estate deeds? What about should you have title for your life only with a remainder interest to your children? And then what about this thing called an irrevocable income-only trust? What's a nominee trust for holding title to your real estate? Should you hold title as joint tenants? There are so many, many things that you should do. Should you have a declaration of homestead to protect your house? 
Should you have liability insurance protection? Well, we have a ton of information to give you today, so please uh, listen along for a little while. Um, in New Bedford right now, it's estimated that we're 42% more likely to have a burglary than the rest of the nation. These are based on national averages. Uh, New Bedford, for example, um, in the past year, and these are very recent statistics, had 953 burglaries per 100,000 households. Massachusetts, on the other hand, as a whole, had 521 burglaries per 100,000 uh, households. And across the United States in general, it's 670 burglaries per 100,000. So New Bedford is above the national average. New Bedford is above the Massachusetts average for home burglaries. So it costs a lot of money. The average loss, property loss, from a burglary in greater New Bedford is almost $5,600. So you can lose things. Um, I had a burglary once in my house. Um, this goes back probably 20 or 25 years ago, and it's a devastating feeling when that happens. I came home, uh, my bicycle was stolen, some small lottery tickets, 2 or $3 that I had, but I had put my name on the back of them. And the person who broke into my house took the lottery tickets, cashed them, and they got caught because they cashed in lottery tickets that had my name on the back of it. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, you've heard of stupid <laughs> burglary stories periodically. That was yeah. one. But I lost my bicycle, and that meant a lot to me. And I, I arrived home, and my screen door was closed. My inside door was wide open. And you just get this horrible sinking feeling in your stomach that yeah. something's wrong. And How much were, were the lottery tickets? Did they? Uh... It was less than $5. Oh, okay. But that, so why even that caused them to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> And a few other small things, a few small appliances and things. Um, my son was burglarized. Mm -hmm. So even in my immediate family, two of us have had burglaries. Uh, it happens. Well, we want to talk about some things that it's, it's not that we are trying to say that New Bedford is a really high crime area. But we, what we do want to say is that it's really important to do everything you can to protect where you live. It starts with locks. It starts with alarms. Um, we have a lot of good alarm companies uh, in our area. There's different kinds of home security systems you can use. You can have a monitored alarm system, for example. I now have an alarm system in my house, in case anybody's listening. <laughs> and uh, you can have alarm systems that work even if you have pets in your house. It has to be a different kind of an alarm system. But you can have cats and dogs and still have an alarm system. And the best thing you can have is a monitored alarm system so that when you go in your house, you have to punch a keypad and put in your code. And if you don't do that, uh, then it's going to trigger an alarm. So if something gets opened that shouldn't, your alarm company will be notified. They're going to find out if it's really you going in the house. And if they don't get an immediate response back, they're going to call the local police. And then the police will be sent immediately to go investigate. Um, you have to make sure you don't get false alarms. So even this past week, I got a call on Friday night at 8 o'clock at night on my cell phone from the alarm company for my office, and the alarm had been going off. And they immediately sent the police to investigate. It was a false alarm, apparently. 
because everything was secure. But the police go around, they check all the doors, make sure there aren't any broken windows and things of that nature. Mm. So think about having an alarm system. Uh, smoke alarm systems are required by the law. So are carbon monoxide detectors. Um, every single person, whether you live in an apartment that you rent or whether you live in your own house, um, you're required to have these devices. And I've always been very cautious about that. I put in extra smoke alarms even beyond what's required. They're not that expensive. It's a smart thing to do. Uh, you can protect your family. But um, you can do medical alarm systems. I'm not an expert in this area, but I do want to tell you that we've just got so many good alarm companies in the area that you really should give one of them a call and look into it. Nobody wants to come home and find out that their house has been burglarized, and it happens a lot. So check your house, check your locks, check your lighting. Uh, have some interior lights on, perhaps, if you're going to be away, uh, maybe with a little timer system. Um, almost everybody I know has a very simple little device, a timer, that you plug into the wall, and you plug a lamp into it. And whatever time you set, whether it's 6 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night, a light goes on. And then it goes off at a certain time. And it makes it look like the house is occupied. And it's just a smart thing to do. What happens if you go away on a vacation? Have you thought about notifying a family member to take a look at your house? I was just thinking about that. Um, people like to go away on vacation and put things on Facebook and social media about how they're away from home mm. for a week. That's the worst thing to do. You know, we've talked about that before, but Mike, I mean, that's just real common sense, but people yeah. are so caught up in Facebook today. Right. I'm looking forward to my trip to Florida next week. <laughs> Burglars, come and visit my house. Right, exactly. So Wait no, until you get back. Until wait until you get back and say, what a wonderful trip I had while I was gone. And the same thing is true while you're away. People are so anxious to immediately say, here we are in beautiful Florida, and we're at the right. beach and having a great time. Mm -hmm. You just told the whole world who might be looking at your Facebook that you're not home. Yeah, exactly. So have somebody stay in your house. Have your next-door neighbor look after your house. Even if you're going away for the weekend, if you're friendly with your neighbor, say, by the way, you know, Celeste and I are going away for the weekend. Would you just keep an eye on the house? We'd appreciate it. And most people around you, are concerned about who's in the neighborhood. Now, does anyone have a key to your house? Yes, and okay. they should. Good, good, because, uh, you know, we have neighbors that we've known and trusted for 40 years, mm -hmm. so we have their keys. When they go away, they have ours. Right. Because if uh, somebody needs to get in, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you don't want to bust the door down. No. Right. Yeah. So be a good neighbor. Um Good neighbors should look out for each other, yeah. and that's what most people do. You know, we all have neighbors that are just really nosy and curious, and they want to see exactly who's coming down the street. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, because you're looking out for each other. Good neighbors can pick up your mail. You don't want your mail to accumulate. Um, stop your newspaper if you're going to be away for a week, perhaps, and don't have newspapers piling up on your porch mm -hmm. or in your step, mm -hmm. and uh, that happens. These are all important things to do. So we've talked a little bit about lighting, mail, having a neighbor look out. Um, if you have children who are nearby and you're traveling, have them go by once a day to uh, you know, take care of things. And um, certainly look into an alarm system. Um, home safes. Um, 
I remember once uh, when I moved my office in downtown New Bedford from one location to another, we had about a, a 400, 500 pound safe, it had wheels on it. And at the time we were moving ourselves, so we actually rolled a safe all the way down Union Street, oh. two of us, Jeez. to a new office. Wow. Oh. Nobody ever asked us what we were doing. <laughs> you could have been robbing some bank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, think about all these things. Uh, home safes are good, and certainly if you keep uh, weapons of any kind, it's a good thing to have a home safe to keep mm -hmm. things locked up. So do some physical things to protect yourself. But, you know, Mike, there's lots and lots of things that we can do. Um, your specialty is working in the legal area mm -hmm. with Lance Law. And by the way, what's your phone number? My phone number is 508-998-8800. Uh, you can also visit our website at lancelawinc.com to learn a little bit more about us and what we do. Good. You know, a home is very important. Like I said, whether it's a rental place that you have or whether it's a place that you own. Uh, Robert Frost once said, home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. <laughs> Home is a place of refuge. It's a place of safety for us. And we want to be secure in our home, and we want to be secure in uh, making sure we can protect our home right. from a legal point of view. And there are so many ways and so many issues uh, that we have today. Remember that um, according to a lady named uh, Jane Sherwood Ace, home wasn't built in a day. And when we go to home... I like that. I like that, too. Um, of course, and then Rodney Dangerfield. Did you ever hear of Rodney Dangerfield? Oh, my God. Uh, he had a famous quotation about uh, homes. He said, a girl phoned me the other day and said, come on over. There's nobody home. I went over. Nobody was home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get any respect. <laughs> but um, James Otis said, a man's house is his castle. And then... Alexander Chase said, a man's home is his wife's castle. <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. <laughs> and then there was a restaurant sign that said, a man's home is his hassle. <laughs> so that's enough for little silly quotes. Well, I'll give you one more silly quote from Joan Rivers. I told my mother-in-law that my house was her house, and she said, get the hell off my property. <laughs> <laughs> but... In all seriousness, we do want to protect our house. Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's start out by talking about tenancies. If somebody is purchasing a house, let's say with another person, um, maybe it's a spouse, they're married, what are some of the ways that you can hold title to your house that would give some protection, legal protection? Well, there are a few different ways to hold title. One is uh, tenants in common. Um, a lot of times if siblings hold title to property after their parents have passed away, they want to hold it as tenants in common. It gives them more flexibility on what would happen to their interest in the property when they pass away. So what does the tenants in common do? Uh, tenancy in common, basically, if you have two or more people holding tenancy in a property and they hold as tenants in common, then they can write a will or they can transfer their interest in the property to a trust maybe. Um, so they have more flexibility about what to do with the with the property, their interest in the property. Okay, so if you have a tenants in common, and let's say it's two people, do they have a right of survivorship, or do they each own 50% or, or what? Both own 50% essentially. So All if right. it's two people, 50%, they don't have an automatic right of survivorship like a joint tenants would. So in the event that something happened to one of them, 
the other one would not automatically inherit their their share. All right, so a tenancy in common might be more appropriate for two brothers or a brother and a sister because they each want to own half but leave half to their own family, perhaps. Exactly, maybe a wife or children or whoever it might be, so the interest wouldn't automatically pass to the brother or the sister. But it doesn't sound like tenancy in common would be the best way to hold title for a husband and wife, for example. Probably not, depending on the relationship, I guess. I guess um. it would depend on the relationship. <laughs> Um, uh, a lot of times, husbands and wives hold by uh, tenants by the entirety, which is normal for husband and wife. So that like joint tenants, the interest in the property would uh, transfer automatically to the surviving spouse. All right. So let me back you up for just one minute. What's a joint tenancy? Uh, so we talked about tenancy in common. What's a joint tenancy and how is that different? A, a joint tenancy normally has with it what's called a, a right of survivorship so that whoever the survivor is in the relationship or among the individuals holding title would automatically inherit or title would automatically vest in the survivors. Um, All right, so if you have a joint tenancy and one person dies, is it like instantly title goes to the surviving person? Essentially, yes. All right, so that sounds like it might be more common for husbands and wives, but... I suppose you could even have a situation if you had a brother and sister and said, you know, we don't have children ourselves, so whoever survives, we want to end up with a whole title. Yeah, exactly, and that's sort of a way to keep property in the same bloodline rather than having a wife or, you know, a husband get access to that property. You keep it within the siblings or their children, basically. So the question to ask you, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening is if you have title, if you have property, how do you hold title to your property? Right. And do you know the answer to that? And if you don't, maybe you should have your deed reviewed by um, somebody right. like Attorney Mike Coleman. So let's come back to this uh, tenancy by the entirety. Is that like a kind of a joint tenancy? It is, yeah. It's normally held by spouses, as I said. And again, that has with it a right of survivorship so that the surviving spouse Uh, gets title to the property when the first spouse passes away. All right. So if a husband and wife hold title as joint tenants, there's a right of survivorship. If they hold title as tenancy by the entirety, that's another form of joint tenancy where there's a right of survivorship. Right. Are there some other special features of the tenancy by the entirety? Uh, No, basically it's another form of joint tenancy. Okay. Um, what about creditor protection? I think I heard that there was a creditor protection if you have a tenancy by the entirety. Uh, um, so you can't lose the house. So that might be a good reason to have husband and wife not just be simple joint tenants, but also be tenants by the entirety. And I, I guess those are the most common uh, kinds of tenancies. Yeah, I had actually had a client come in once who uh, she had inherited property from her parents. And she was holding title as tenant in common with her brother. And she sort of assumed that he was going to get her interest in the property when she passed away and that her children wouldn't have access to that property. But I was able to advise her that she could actually transfer her interest into a trust and therefore have the kids inherit her side. And she was happy to do that. She didn't want her brother to get it. So sometimes it's kind of layers of protection that it sounds like. And if you're a married couple holding title to a house... You should have as many different layers of protection that you can possibly have to protect the house. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about protecting your house today. So let's say that for a husband and wife holding title to a house, 
maybe they want to start out with a tenants by the entirety for Haldi hold title. But the next thing they might want to consider doing is a declaration of homestead. Right, yep. So let's talk about homesteads for just a little bit. And what does a homestead basically do? Well, there's a homestead. It's a document that you record with the Registry of Deeds. By the way, there's an automatic $125,000 protection in Massachusetts. Um, if you're an individual under age 62, you can record a homestead with the registry, and you get a step up to $250,000 in protection. All right, so let me let me uh, interrupt and make clear something on that. So you're saying right now in Massachusetts, if you hold title to, and I guess this would be only for your residence, wouldn't it? Yes, your principal residence. So <laughs> for your primary residence only, there's an automatic homestead for everybody whether or not you file any paper in the Registry of Deeds. Right, yes. Okay, so that's a good starting point. And that's $125,000? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. It's nice to see that our legislature does something to look out for our interests periodically, and that's, that's terrific. But if you file a paper homestead specifically in the Registry of Deeds, you get a higher level of protection? You do. You get a step up to $250,000 as an individual under age 62. Okay. And then when you get past age 62, uh, if you file a new homestead, what's called an elderly homestead, unfortunately, you get a step up to $500,000 in protection for an individual. Well, I don't know about you, Phil, but I'm over the age of 62, so I qualify for elderly. I do, too. <laughs> Good. Congratulations. <laughs> Mike, you're not quite there yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> well, so thinking again about layering so step one if you're married have tenancy by the entirety step two make sure you have a written homestead on your property because you're going to get a higher level of protection and this is protection really from outside creditors somebody if you're in a car accident for some for right, example right an unsecured creditor so it wouldn't be a protection from mortgage company or anyone that has a secured interest in that property or against uh, nursing home Medicaid. Mm -hmm. But if you get into a car accident and get sued, it would be protection from that, that creditor. And I guess if you owe taxes, the homestead doesn't protect you against no, taxes no. that you owe either. No. But gosh, you know, so many, I mean, I, I'm afraid to drive almost today. There's so many wacky drivers on the road. It's like a race course when you're out there on the highway today. It's weaving in and out, No, oh, yeah. Uh, really high speeds. It's just so much dangerous driving. But if you happen to be in the middle of an accident that you have some liability where you've caused it, then having the homestead on your house can help protect the value of your house, Absolutely. the equity in your house. I used to do a little bit of personal injury work, and we would have clients and you know potentially be suing people for car accidents or whatever the case may be. And one of the things that we would check to see if there was a homestead on file, because if so, there wouldn't really be any reason to sue them unless they had a lot of other liquid assets to go after. So okay. it's definitely a deterrent in some cases. That's real interesting. So it might cause you, it, it might protect you in that you wouldn't even have a lawsuit filed against you right. if there's a homestead on your house because the company who wants to sue you knows that they're not going to be able to get the equity in your house. Possibly, yeah. Wow. Well, that's another exciting reason. Now, um, let's talk just a little bit more about the homestead. We've talked about that you can only protect your primary residence. You can't have more than one homestead. And um, it's, it's only it's $35 to record with the Registry of Deeds. So for $35, you have all that protection. It's really, it's really worth it, I think. So here's two really good reasons to have um, Mike Coleman 
review your deed first to find out how you hold title to it mm -hmm. and make sure your tenancy is correct and that's easy enough to fix with drawing a new deed correct right, exactly and then making sure that you have a homestead now um, I've, I've been told and I'm not sure if it's uh, accurate uh, that if you have a mortgage on your house you want to put the homestead on after the mortgage yeah, a lot of times if you're going to redo the mortgage, uh, companies would want you to do a new homestead, I okay. believe. So if you're thinking about refinancing your house, it might potentially wipe out your present homestead so that when you put the new mortgage on, put a new homestead on. Or if you were to transfer the house into a trust, a lot of times there's a different document for trustees owning property, so you'd want to do a new homestead after transferring the property into a trust. I can't think of a single reason why every single person listening today should not have a homestead on their house. Right. I mean, there, there are no reasons why somebody shouldn't do that. Well, we're going to come back in just a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to talk about layering protection on your house. Should you have your house in a trust? Should you have liability insurance, maybe excess liability? Stay tuned because we're going to give you some more really good tips on how to protect your most important asset. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise, brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. We're so happy that you invite us into your house or your car to listen to us on Sunday mornings. We try to tell you things and teach things that will be useful to protect your family and protect your money. And that's our primary mission. You can reach us at 508 998 8858. If you hear something on the radio that we're talking about and you'd like more information, written reports, uh, we'd be happy to send it out to you. Uh, we're meeting this morning with attorney Michael Coleman from Lancelot Inc. Good morning. And Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And Phil, it's always a pleasure to be across this table looking at your beaming <laughs> face. Likewise. So we're talking today about protecting your single most important asset your home yeah and uh, did you ever see little house on the prairie oh sure uh, that was written by a lady named laura engels wilder and she said home is the nicest word there is and it is when you think about it isn't it yeah yeah of course most houses today have uh, mortgages on them most very few people pay cash for a house so you have to have mm -hmm. a mortgage and financing and there was a written expression once that said, by the time a family pays off the mortgage for a home in the suburb, the home isn't a home, and the suburbs aren't suburbs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, most people start out life and buying a house, and they have a mortgage. The mortgage is actually a form of protection as well because it's using up part of the equity in your house, mm -hmm. isn't it, Mike? Right, yeah. And so that means that the less equity you have in your house, the less of a target you have, so maybe there's some good things about having a mortgage on your house at the same time. We've talked a little bit about tenancies and homesteads and making sure that you have physical protection inside your home. I mean, you have to protect what you have. And um, sometimes we'll tell people, um, put a mortgage on because even if you've got equity in your house, do a line of credit kind of a mortgage so that if you need to access money quickly you can do that and we're happy to do that mike we talked earlier about the importance of having legal representation when you're buying or selling a house um, you see occasionally for sale by owner signs on people's houses right 
And it's funny when you watch those signs, this is a plug for realtors. Uh, realtors do it much more professionally, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen for sale by owner, and you'll see it there the next month, and the next month, and about three or four months later, suddenly you'll see a, a realtor's mm -hmm. or a broker's sign mm -hmm. on the house. <laughs> yep. It's hard to sell a house by yeah. yourself. Yeah. And it can be dangerous also, ladies and gentlemen, talking about protecting yourself and protecting your home. So I'm going to give a plug for realtors because here's one of the things they can do. They can pre-screen the people who are coming to take a look at your house. So let's say for sale by owner and what somebody really wants to do is not buy your house. They want to simply go in and scout out your house to see what you have that's valuable mm -hmm. for them to go back and try to steal. Right. And this is a really excellent reason not to try to sell your house by yourself. Right. So you get a call now. You get your phone number out front. Somebody calls and says, I'm interested in buying your house. Can I make an appointment? You make an appointment. They can look perfectly nice. You go through. You show them the house. They see how many televisions you have. They see where your bedroom is located. They see whether you have a burglar alarm system or not. Yeah. And then they can come back later and break into your house and steal from you. It would be really interesting to find out how often that happens when somebody does for sale by owner. Mm. On the other hand, if you use a realtor, they're going to pre-screen anybody who's going to go see your house. They're going to get their name, their address. They might get some identification. They're going to know who they're taking to see your house. Yeah. And they're going to be there with that person when they go around. They're going to want to find out uh, whether that person is pre-qualified for a mortgage loan. Mm -hmm. So tons and tons of good reasons in terms of how to protect your house when it comes times to sell it, right. do it with somebody who can protect you as well. I hadn't written that down, but I was just yeah, that sounded good. Thinking about yeah. it. you like that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's I true. It. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Estate planning. Let's talk about um, what are your thoughts on whether you should protect your house by just giving it to your children? Is that a good thing to do or not? Probably not the best idea. Um, for many reasons. Uh, there are some exceptions, um, but I'll talk about the bad points first, I guess. Um, gifting a, an asset to a child can have tax consequences. Uh, you lose control of the house, obviously. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to sell the house and buy something smaller, your child would essentially have to do it for you. Um, if your child gets into financial trouble or a divorce, that could certainly be an issue if your house is now in your child's name. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have tax abatements on the house, you may lose the tax abatement. Like an elderly so. tax abatement or a military tax abatement, perhaps. Right. Yeah. And as we were talking about before, um, you would lose your homestead exemption. If it's your principal residence, but you don't own the house, um, your child does not live there. It's not their principal residence. You know, that's very interesting, Mike. So if you're uh, somebody over the age of 62 and you have an elderly homestead exemption, then you want to give the house to your kids because you think you're going to protect it by putting it in their names. Right. So you lose the elderly homestead exemption. Absolutely. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Yep. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so the child would then be, be responsible for the taxes and paying for all the you know, expenses of the house potentially. So there are a lot of drawbacks to uh, giving the house to the child that people don't really think about. They just want to get it out of their estate, give it to the child, and not have to think about it anymore. But generally it's not the best way to handle it. I also know from uh, a tax point of view, there's some important features of home ownership in this country. Um, and one of them is that when you go to sell your house, you get capital gain exemptions. 
Um, but that applies only if it's your primary residence. Right. So let's say a parent, an older parent, puts the house over 62 in the child's name, and then they decide, you know what, we'd really like to sell the house and move to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so the house gets sold by the children because it's in their name. They don't have the capital gain exclusion of excluding up to $250,000 per person right. of capital gain right. because it's not the primary residence of the child. Right. So you'd lose the house sale exemption, number one. But, um, and as you may know, Mike, I've got a tax degree as well. Right. Um, you would also get something called a carryover basis. So basis means cost. What did you pay for your house? Let's say you paid $50,000 for your house a long time ago. It's now worth $250,000. Well, if it's in your name when you die, you get what's called a step-up in basis. The people who inherit your house, let's say it's your children, will inherit it at $250,000 value. All the built-up capital gains disappears at death, and the children can now sell the house and not pay any capital gains. On the other hand... If the parent takes the house and puts it in the child's name and they paid $50,000 for this house that's worth two hundred and fifty dollars now, the child gets what's called a carryover cost basis. They own the house for the original cost of $50,000. And now the parent dies and the kids go to sell the house. They don't have a step up in basis, so they sell the house for two fifty, dollars but their cost in the house is $50,000. They have a $200,000 capital gains tax. Yeah. People certainly don't think about that. They no. That doesn't come into play. So before you're, if you're thinking seriously about putting a house in children's name because you think you're going to protect it or protect it from a nursing home, go see attorney Michael Coleman. Get some proper advice on the best way to do those kinds of things. Mike, I'd like to jump back for just a minute to the subject of insurance. We're talking about layering protections. So we talked about maybe husband and wife have a tenancy by the entirety. Then you want to make sure you have a homestead. How about liability insurance? If you have a mortgage, the bank wants you to carry uh, insurance. Uh, If you have insurance on any kind of a house, you're going to have some form of liability protection insurance. But what about a liability umbrella rider policy? Certainly. I don't think that's a bad idea. You can't have um, enough insurance if something goes really badly and you're getting sued for a million dollars and you only have five hundred thousand dollars in protection from the homestead law then you could be exposed and that that rider would help out certainly well unfortunately we live in a time and an age when if somebody has been injured or thinks that they have been injured in the slightest way they think they've hit the lottery right and we live in a lawsuit happy society where the slightest fault uh, problem causes people to go out and immediately file a lawsuit. It's, it's unfortunately the nature of society today. So a liability umbrella writer says, well, if you have a basic 100000 300000 liability coverage on your house and you got the same on your car and maybe you have a boat or a motorcycle and you've got those things with the same liability, what a liability umbrella writer does is it picks up the level from 100000 up to a million. And it's only a few hundred dollars a year to have that. But now it gives you significantly more liability protection. Right. And what it means is if you have a situation which maybe you've injured somebody or somebody's been injured on your property, then you now have a million dollars coverage and your insurance company is going to represent you and defend you. And they're going to try to settle these cases before they even go to trial, perhaps. Right, yeah. So lots of good reasons to have liability insurance uh, coverage. 
What about, um, well, we've, t- we've talked about some tax reasons. We talked a little bit about not putting your house in your kids' names. Um, and we talked also about buying and selling a house and making sure you get legal representation. You want to make sure the sale goes through properly and that you're not being taken financially on either end. And the way you do that is to have uh, professional representation. And I've always told people selling or buying your house is typically the largest single financial transaction that we all do, and you want to make sure it's done right. Right. So give us your phone number again and your contact information, Mike. 508-998-8800. We also have a, a uh, website, lancelawinc.com. And I was just going to interject about another reason why transferring a house to a child is probably a, not a good idea. And it, it comes at you know a certain per- point in someone's life um, where this is a consideration, but there's what's called a look-back period for Medicaid mm-hmm. purposes, a five-year look-back okay. period. So if you were to transfer the house to the child within that five-year period, you might be disqualified from receiving Medicaid benefits if you need that in a nursing home. Okay. So that's something that most people don't know, I think, but uh, is definitely a consideration. So there are many, many ways that we can protect our homes, ladies and gentlemen. And I I like the concept of uh, layering. And um, Phil, did you know that once upon a time Phyllis Diller said, Always be nice to your children because they are the ones who will choose your nursing home. <laughs> uh, I know you use that quotation once in a while, Mike. Slides, yeah. But I never realized it was Phyllis Diller I that, didn't know that, that said that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so now you can properly attribute it when you okay. use it. And um, I like this one from Margaret Thatcher also. I've used this recently. Any woman who understands the problems of running a home will be nearer to understanding the problems of running a country. Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady in uh, England. And um, I want to jump into a couple of small things. We need to talk about long-term care insurance. Um, Long-term care insurance is another way to protect your house, again, your primary asset. Mm -hmm. So not too many people carry long-term care insurance because they think it's expensive, and it can be. Right. But I know from the fact that we do a lot of financial work with people that you can do a nominal or minimal long-term care insurance policy, um, $125 a day coverage for two years of nursing home coverage. And if you have that coverage for long-term care and have to go to a nursing home, then the state of Massachusetts is not allowed to place a lien against the house. Right. As long as you have some of that coverage left when you go into the nursing home, there won't be any lien on the house by Mass Health. So that means you could qualify for Medicaid in a nursing home under Mass Health Program, but the house isn't going to be lost. Right, and you get to stay home longer than you would have otherwise with the long-term care insurance. Do you have to be poor in order to apply or to, to qualify, qualify for, for Medicaid? Medicaid? Yes. You do, yeah. You have to be pretty poor, so you have to spend down assets first probably before you can apply. Uh, but again, there are ways to handle that too, even within the five-year look-back period. So that's something we would be happy to discuss with anyone out there listening now. And if anybody wants information, they can get in touch with you, Mike, or with Attorney Tenny Lance. Yep. And I know she does a lot of work in the area of Medicaid planning in right. general. Mm-hmm. So the next thing I'd like to talk about is um, life estate deeds. Okay. Um, uh, could you explain briefly what a life estate deed does and sure. how it works? Yeah, a life estate deed is basically uh, when you want to transfer transfer a remainder interest in a piece of property to 
usually it's children. Um, so basically, if a parent does this with their children, the parent would execute a deed, uh, holding back a life estate in the property for themselves, and naming a child or children as remainder men on the deed. Um, so that basically what happens when the the parent passes away is that the child inherits the pro property automatically without having to go through probate or any other mm -hmm. um, process. And that can be worth looking at too, but it also has potential nursing home and Medicaid implications. Right, yeah. In terms of how and when that's done exactly. Right. Uh, one of the ways that uh, MassHealth is able to collect on any lien that is placed on a property is through the, the probate process. So they have to go after probate assets. Mm -hmm. And when someone's been in a nursing home, usually they have no liquid assets because they've spent down all their money on uh, private nursing home care. So really the only asset left is the house. So the house is what would have to go through probate and that's when Mass Health places a lien and collects on their lien potentially. But okay. if, you, if you have the life estate deed, you avoid probate altogether. Um, so there, that opportunity to collect is lost. Mm. You know, we're talking about the importance of your home to you, ladies and gentlemen. And we're talking about some very significant and actually some fairly easy ways you can protect your home as well. And you should take a few minutes to sit down and just think, do I have these kinds of protections in place? What if somebody comes into my house? What if my house gets burglarized? What happens if I die? What happens if I go to a nursing home? These are all important questions you need to ask in terms of how you can protect your home. And a home doesn't have to be a big fancy place necessarily. Uh, fairly recently, uh, we had the death of Muhammad Ali, and he once said, I'm more at home with my log cabins than I am in my house in Cherry Hill. So home is where you feel most comfortable, isn't it? Right but it's also the most important place that you want to protect. I want to mention a couple of things about USA Wealth Group. We talk a lot about things that you can do financially. Um, I want to talk for a minute about how we can protect some financial assets as well. We're talking principally today about protecting your home, and we're still going to come back to that subject, but I want to mention that we do things to make sure that you're not going to lose assets, that you're going, you're going to be able to earn reasonable amounts of money. I want to mention that in a very recent issue of the Wall Street Journal, um, there's an article that says German bond yields go below zero, which means state bonds, government bonds, think of treasury bonds in this country. Uh, the rates have gone so low in the country of Germany, they're actually below zero for the first time ever in the history of the country of Germany. It's going to cost you to buy them. It's going to cost you to buy money. So why would people put money into something that has a negative return? No. For safety. They do it strictly for safety, and they think it's wow. a safe place to be because the government's not going to fail. So how does that affect us here in this country? Well, because periodically there are articles that have been surfacing saying, is it possible that treasuries in the United States could go below zero? This has also occurred in Japan already. Mm -hmm. So Japan and now Germany. The concern in Germany apparently is they're worried about what happens if the country of Great Britain uh, exits the uh, EU, uh, the European Economic Union. And they're having a vote coming up fairly soon. And if that should occur, uh, there are predictions that there's going to be a, a significant impact on all the financial markets 
not just in England, oh, there will be. but in Germany, all around Europe, all around the world, and in this country. So the importance of this little story is to say very simply, take the time to protect your financial assets. Come in and see us. Give us a call. We're in Dartmouth at 352 Fonts Corner Road. Because there are some things that you can do to make sure that you're not going to be uh, impacted if something like that happens. The other important feature about this is very simple. What happens in other countries very much impacts what we um, earn in our own country, what you earn on your investments. All you have to do is take a look at your own bank account statements and see what you're making or what you're not making. And there are banks around the world right now that are offering uh, negative yields on bank accounts. So we think it's terrible if we're looking at 1%, a half a percent, one-tenth of 1% returns on savings accounts and CD accounts. So how would you like to pay some money to have the bank keep your money in the bank? They're doing that now in Japan and some Norwegian, I think it might be in Norway. Um, and that's the reality of where we are today. We are still in a worldwide economic uh, funk. But there are things that you can do to protect your assets. And we are really strong advocates of indexed products, such as indexed annuities, for example. They allow you to principally uh, protect your principal, and they allow you to get reasonable returns and guaranteed returns. We're happy to show that to you anytime. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. We do a lot of work in that area. But it's important to protect your family, as we always say, and it's important to protect your assets. And today, it's really important to protect your home. So I think people should have uh, their insurance policies reviewed on their home. We talked a little bit about liability insurance, Mike, from the, yes. that mm -hmm. point of view. Yeah. But I wonder how many people have ever taken the time to take a look at their homeowner's insurance policy. What happens if your house burns down? What happens if a hurricane comes? We haven't been hit in this area for a long time knock by a major wood. hurricane. <laughs> knock on wood. Yep, let's all <laughs> knock on wood here <laughs> on the edge of this desk. But um, sometimes people will have a really false financial sense and say, I don't want to go have my insurance policy reviewed and have them tell me I need to carry more insurance coverage because that was called, will cost me more money to do that. Well, guess what? If you don't have enough insurance and you have a significant loss, you become a part insurer along with the insurance company. Uh, typical requirement is if you're not covered at least 80% of replacement cost, then what happens is if you had a total loss, uh, let's say you had a $100,000 loss, but you don't have enough insurance, you're only insured for 50% or 60%, that's the percentage of the loss that the company is going to pay because you don't have at least 80% uh, replacement cost insurance. So if you have a $100,000 loss but you're underinsured and the company is only going to cover 50 or 60% of it, you get to pay the balance out of your own pocket. You're not insured enough. So it's a real false economy to say, I don't want to pay more insurance premiums. Uh, you really ought to get your policies reviewed periodically. And it's just as important as everything else. Mike, could you say a few words about something called an irrevocable income-only trust? Sure, I know yeah. that you and Tenny have been doing more of that lately yep. to protect the house from a nursing home. Yeah, these are also what are referred to as Medicaid trusts. So um, basically, a lot of times people want to put their house into the trust because, as we said before, that's their most important asset. 
Uh, so what we do is we draft an irrevocable trust. We also do a deed um, to get the property into the trust. And once that property is in the trust, you have five years. And once the five-year look-back period goes by, the house will be protected from the nursing home and from Mass Health. So now, if, if you're older, I assume this might be something to think about because that typically is the, the home is typically the largest single asset that most right. people have. Yep. And there is a way you can protect it. You can really protect almost everything, can't you, if you do enough advanced planning? Yeah, and you can put financial assets into the irrevocable trust, too. The problem is that the, the grantor, the person setting up the trust, isn't the trustee. So essentially, they lose control of that asset. All right, so if it's parents, you might have a child who would be your trustee. Right. But important things to check out. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get more information on how you can protect your home, your house, your most important asset, and your family at the same time, give Mike a call, Attorney Michael Coleman, at 508-998-8800, or give us a call at USA Wealth Group. We thank you so much for being a partner with us on the radio. Have a wonderful week, and take some action to protect your home. Thank you. Thank you.